Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture. I'm Robert Bound. On today's programme, we meet a giant of contemporary art, Hiroshi Sugimoto. The Japanese artist's work is the subject of a recently opened exhibition at London's Hayward Gallery, a survey show that encompasses 50 years of photographs plus two sculptures that do unfamiliar things with the familiar. Portraiture, landscape, still life, natural history and abstraction never looked the same after Sugimoto, born in Tokyo in 1948, has skewed and perhaps skewered them via an artistic practice that mixes wit and commentary with exquisitely tuned craftsmanship and bold conceptual thinking. All my life I've made a habit of never believing my eyes, Sugimoto has said. So, where's the truth in a photograph? We may think of Sugimoto and imagine his seascapes, large black and white photographs shot from a fixed point with a long exposure that contains sea and sky and nothing else. Look once and see swells and waves, look again and witness pure abstraction. There is a stunning gallery of these at the Hayward and so much more. Dioramas that appear to breathe new life into taxidermied animals, Sugimoto's first foray into photography in the 1970s. Then there are cinemas and drive-ins that appear to celebrate the hope and grandeur of the silver screen and commiserate with their future in the small screen world. His portraits of Madame Tussauds waxworks make Napoleon, Henry VIII and Oscar Wilde as uncannily contemporary as our memories of Princess Diana. Elsewhere, pure photography is explored in his Lightning Field series and fresh work. Optics is a room full of colour worthy of Joseph Albers or Mark Rothko. There is purpose, cleverness, sharp conceptual thinking and great joy and beauty on display here at the Hayward. But... Never believe your eyes. So on this episode, we'll speak to Hiroshi Sugimoto, the show's curator, Hayward director Ralph Rugoff, and the director of photography gallery Black Box Projects, Kathleen Fox-Davis, who put Sugimoto in perspective. As promised, first up, here is the man himself, Hiroshi Sugimoto. Sugimoto-san, congratulations on this wonderful show here at the Hayward when you see your career's work or at least the photographic side of your work laid out in front of you by yourself and by the curators here how does that feel when you see your whole body of work rather than just looking at what you're doing now and next I wonder well I feel like I'm the the last photographer before digital photography and I'm very happy to be active in this, uh, well, photography was invented 1839, and negative positive method was, well, invented here by Fox Talbot in England. Since it's been almost 180 some years, the photography, the type of photography I think is over. Now digital, everything is digitalized. So to me, it's a totally different medium. It's more like a close to the painting. You know, you can photograph anything you want, and you can change anything you want according to your idea. And so painting, you, you paint your imagination. Now photographer, photograph your imagination. The important thing is the police department decided not to take photography as evidence. That's the end of the photography. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think some of you, you've got into a few scrapes, I understand, with some of those American abandoned theatres as well, talking about the police department. You've been known for kind of bringing dead things back to life or bringing abandoned things back to life. And people walking around this show will, will see evidence of that. Does that come from somewhere deep inside you or was that a happy accident at the beginning of your career, I wonder? Well, no, I decided to be a contemporary artist before I became a photographer. And so when I started in 1970s, conceptualism, minimalism was taking over the art world. So uh, not just a straight photographer. Well, I, I'm very well trained as a photographer already. I moved to New York in 1975, and I encountered very fascinating scenes of contemporary art. So uh, intentionally, I decided to be a part of the contemporary art artist group to be joined. And, well, I can be a conceptual artist, but uh, what should I do? The painting has been done many times. It's, it's done. And, but the photography being considered as a second-class citizen of the art world. So well, why not bring this photography to be as a part of the, the high-level art? That I, I asked myself, this is my mission. So as a conceptual artist, I try to make uh, what that animals be back to the life. This is quite conceptual, you know. If you look at my polar bear, if you think this is real, it's something wrong with your eye, something wrong with your brain, then that's questions. What our perception, what's the nature of human perception? This is the study, starting point. And I kept doing it for till now, asking the human perception, what people seeing and believing it, and what's behind it, what's the reality behind it, and what's the meaning behind it, yes. And, and in terms of human perception and what we see, what we think we see, what we want to see perhaps in some of, some of your work as well, your seascapes are very well known. And I was lucky enough to go to Odawara, to the Inura Art Observatory, your wonderful place uh, near Hakone last year. That is a beautiful seascape, looking across the, the part that you've, uh, you've made your own there. Out of that, there's a wonderful room upstairs with, with, with many seascapes in it. What's the one that, is the, that to you is the apple of your eye, Sukimoto-san? Because they are on a sliding scale of abstraction, aren't they? Well, I've been photographing seascapes over like three decades. But now I start seeing something changing. I cannot see anymore the kind of primordial kind of scene of seascapes. Even I go back to the same spot, there's a razor boat and hotels and so I cannot find any more untouched, almost untouched nature as a sea. So, well, only one chance now I have is I establish my own foundation facing uh, the Pacific Ocean. And there's so many fishing boats around every day. Only one day, January 1st, nobody's out. <laughs> <laughs> That's your opportunity. So I have once every year, one day, uh -huh. able to 
photo of the seascapes of without human activities. Beautiful. And just finally, we know that your practice extends to architecture and, and, and the built environment as well. You've touched on the relationship with your work and the Hayward Gallery here, but how do you judge the, the coming together of your work and the architecture of this very well-known building, at least in London? Well, this is a quite a unique design, as you know. It's not fancy at all, intentionally and no decoration so this is this is the best for my show the space itself and beautiful uh, natural light and then pitch dark room with my uh, special lighting and so what well, this is uh, the best uh, uh, show i can imagine and space wise i'm very happy and uh, this is my first time to see myself my my survey, my career, what I've been doing, and well, I'm convinced myself. I'm pleased myself, my life. So it's something a bit, bit like turning the camera on yourself. It's a bit of a self-portrait we're looking at. Huh? Self-portrait? Perhaps this show. Uh -huh. Yeah, this is my self-portrait. <laughs> yes, this is uh, retrospective, probably. So well, I'm very happy myself, so that I'm ready to die. Hiroshi Sugimoto there, and yes, a rather moving end to our conversation with the great man. Well, now to the show's curator, who's also the director of the Hayward Gallery, Ralph Rogoff. One of the standout elements of this show is how some of the exhibition photographs are lit wonderfully by natural light. I asked Ralph about the benefits and challenges of this approach. Well, the wonderful thing about natural light is, one, the brightness it brings to a room. So you walk in and there's a kind of radiance. And with these beautiful images of different color fields, they get reflected in the terrazzo tiles on the floor. But you can just see details. And these pictures are all about kind of patiently looking in front of them and having this experience that unfolds quietly over time. And you just see more and more different hues of color in these color field paintings. Some of them, I mean, I call them paintings because they really seem to have a dialogue with people like Mark Rothko, an abstract color field painting. And it's such an incredible, amazing thing that the artist is willing, because these are all his prints, to have them being shown in light conditions, which most museum curators would be absolutely horrified by because we're giving them about 10 times more light exposure than uh, most people would consider safe. That said, he's got some good experiences showing his work outdoors even, and he says the photographs haven't changed in 20 years. But it's also great for the seascapes, which are also in another gallery with this, you know, the Hayward has 64 roof lights and got this light cascading in and those pictures are all about different lighting conditions. He's photographed 200 seas around the world. There's no sense of what sea you're looking at. He's made sure there's no boats, no birds flying, no sight of land. And each picture, the horizon line bisects it right in the middle. But they're, so they're all about atmospheric conditions. He shoots them at, from night to dawn today, and to see them under changing light, because the light is constantly changing in the gallery, clouds go overhead, it's dark, it's bright again. 
there's just a kind of magical conversation that happens between the light and the pictures. Yeah, it's wonderful. Beautifully put. Thank you. It's a very moving experience in some of those rooms. And I feel, Ralph, that this Sugimoto is such a kind of, such a huge figure as a contemporary artist. I feel like you must have been itching to do this show for years, <laughs> personally speaking. Tell us a little bit about setting this show up. I know that it was sort of a bit of an abrupt about turn because of COVID, inevitably, and all, all of these things. Tell us a little bit about, about the build-up to this show. Well, it's funny. I thought we'd started planning this in like 2017 for a 2020 show. And last night I ran into a former chief curator at the Hayward who said, no, she'd started looking into it in like 2014. So it's been on our minds for a long time. And obviously the pandemic upended everybody's exhibition schedules. And so we ended up postponing it to this period in time. But it's a show we've wanted to do for a long time. It's, it feels like he is one of the most significant artists of the last 50 years, and he hasn't had a proper survey show in the UK. He hasn't had a show in London in 23 years in a, in a public institution. And his work, I think, occupies a really singular place, you know, because he uses the camera as a means to pose fundamental questions about how we experience the world. You know, his pictures don't document his subjects so much as they imbue them with alternative meanings. You know, they really let you see things and think about them in very different ways. And that ability to kind of expand our mental horizons is a magical thing that happens, I think, in this work. And there's something quite impish and... We've kind of perhaps, we perhaps think because of some of the calm abstraction of some of the imagery that Sugimoto-san makes, that there's some, something very serious at play. But there's something impish and very playful about a lot of these images, starting off with the dioramas, I suppose. No, I mean, the dioramas, you know, his impulse to shoot these dioramas in the American Museum of Natural History was to see if he could make the animals look like they were actually alive. And so it was really to see if he could create a deceptive image and there is that kind of mischievous thing going on. And that also occurred with his portraits of wax figures of Madame Tussauds. And there are a couple of them, including one of Darcy Russell and another of yeah. Princess Diana, that I think 95 out of 100 people would assume they were just shots of real people. So he's able to do that. But I think sometimes, rather than just being deceptive, the pictures end up in this kind of twilight zone area where they look like they're kind of living, but maybe kind of not. You know, they're, they're not totally realistic, but they're real-ish. And it's enough that you're not sure. And he creates this kind of unsettling uncertainty about what you're looking at. Like these pictures of theaters, and I think one of the great things we've worked out in this exhibition is there are many different lighting uh, experiences in terms of how the work is lit. And in the theater room, they're lit with pinpoint spots. So only the image is lit in a dark room. But then a second spot is on just the movie screen itself. And these are pictures where you run around. And he had an idea that if he could film in a movie theater and leave his aperture open for the length of the film, he would get this uncanny image of this glowing white screen that would have, in a way, absorbed all the 170,000 individual frames that make up a movie. 
condensed all that time into this one uncanny image and they glow with this almost spiritual light. You know, it, it looks like they could be abandoned temples for some light worshiping cult, but they also seem, because the theaters are empty, there's no one in the seats, there is this haunting sense of absence. And I think this dialogue is a big part of his work where at once the screen is super present, you know, it's like glowing off the printed surface, but then it also seems to have sucked out something from the scene as well, that something's missing. But there's, yeah, exactly, it, it's, it's, it's wonderful, and, and yet there's such, there's such life, I suppose, as well. We go, from, we go from the sort of sublime to the ridiculous, the populated to the very inert somehow in, in, all, of these, in all of these things. As, as, a, as, a, as a rightly proud curator and director of the gallery, Ralph, which is the room that you will walk through as you turn the, turn the lights off at the end of the run and, and, and be most proud of, I wonder. Because it seems like it's a very, it's, it's a cathedral-like calm to a lot of, this, a lot of these uh, images, isn't it? They do have a kind of profound, serene quality to them. You know, and in a way, I think they double down on the uncanny stillness of photography in general. So that looking at these pictures, and they're all meticulously nuanced. I mean, he's an exacting craftsman. It's really a kind of experience that's at once very grounding and also kind of uplifting. I mean, you have a very concentrated encounter that really enhances your awareness of seeing itself as a process that takes time and patience to unfold. And that's very exciting. So for me, I mean, I... I you know, I can't really answer your question because in each room I have a different kind of enchanting experience, including a room that probably surprises me the most, I'd say, is the conceptual forms where he made pictures of these tabletop-sized plaster models of mathematical formula, which were created in the early 20th century as a teaching aid. So if you had an algorithm that for infinity, they would make a model of kind of the geometry uh, that corresponded with that algorithm. And in his pictures, they look like kind of large-scale sculptures. They have a kind of architectural feeling because of their curves. Um, he also then made his own version using a, a stainless steel fabricator in Japan. And these, he doesn't consider them sculptures. He calls them models. I call them sculptural models because they feel like sculptures. But they're barely lit. And in this dim darkness, they reflect all the light that they're picking up from the walls around them and the other images. And they're really, really gorgeous looking. So this was a room where I thought, gee, maybe this room is so abstract. You know, mathematical formula. It's not going to have the same impact. But I think it's actually, you know, a really mesmerizing, beautiful room. We remain beguiled. Ralph Rogoff, thank you very much indeed. That's a good word for Hiroshi Sukamoto. <laughs> that was Ralph Rogoff of the Hayward Gallery. And finally on today's show, Kathleen Fox-Davies is the founding director of Black Box Projects. I was delighted to be joined in the studio by Kathleen to dig a little deeper into Sugimoto's style and success as a photographer, as well as the legacy of his work.
Kathleen, thanks for coming into the studio today. Lovely to see you for the first time in a long time. It's lovely to see you as well. Uh, and an estimable artist about which to talk as well. So let's start with Sugimoto's standing. Where is he in the world of contemporary art and contemporary photography as a photography dealer yourself? Sugimoto is considered one of the greats of the contemporary photography, but also he is one of the few that has managed to branch over into what's considered contemporary with a capital C art, which is quite a rare feat to transcend. He has held his place and his standing for over 40 years. He's continued to intrigue audiences with what could be considered quite slow images, slow photography. They're considered, he works on his series for decades at a time. So with the exhibition at the Hayward, what was really wonderful is they were able to pull together thinking of the seascapes or the theatres and then putting that in with some of the other um, more brief series in between. These are, with the theatres, he photographed over 100 theatres. With the seascapes, he, he took over 200 horizon lines and all of these were, were super, super long exposures. They're beautifully detailed, intricate, sumptuous pictures that really do appeal to both the real photography nerds and geeks that love that idea of the vintage and the technical, but also they are beautiful pieces of art to behold and consider and to stand in front of. Beautifully put. I mean, uh, that's the thing. And there is a, such an amount of, we touched on this in the interview with Sugimoto-san himself, but there's a great amount of craft in his work. It is smart, but it is not slick. It's not sort of uh, slapdash kind of clever, clever photography with lots of tricks and bells and whistles going on. Does that, in terms of in terms of a market for Sugimoto's work, does there an admiration for the craft of a photographer rather than just the subject matter and the eye of the artist? Does that count toward in his favour in terms of his prices at market? Um, I believe so. I I like that you just switched from saying photographer to artist when speaking about Sugimoto. His main well, this exhibition really. He is a he is an artist of many different methods. This show specifically looks at his photography career. He is looking at photography's relationship with reality. When we think of painting or sculpture or drawing, no one questions whether that that is the idea of a creative mind or if it's picturing something that's real. But the minute you use the medium of photography, there's this idea that perhaps it's documenting reality. And Sujimoto is taking all of that and turning it on its head. And in that way, using a technology that was made to document something that is directly in front of you and savor that moment for all time. And he's taking that and with his long exposures, with his 19th century camera, with a slow considered method of approaching a subject over the course of 5, 10, 15, 20 years, he is using that camera as if it were a paintbrush or a pencil. And in this way, he doesn't just sit in the photography market. I am a photography specialist, so of course I want to champion where the photography market is. But in reality, it is the little brother or sister of the contemporary art world. And when you look at auction prices, an artist that can breach that divide between the photography market and the contemporary day and evening sales it performs differently. Very, very few artists have managed to do that. And Sujimoto is one of those. 
And just finally, let's talk away from the away from the concerns of the market. Although, as we know, having uh, having some some big deal uh, at works hanging uh, for for four or five months in the Hayward Gallery never do anyone any harm uh, in the market. But away from that, um, what if we can define it is Hiroshi Sugimoto's legacy, Kathleen? This is a really interesting question because the four plus decades of his career have been looking at not only his legacy, but the legacy of modern culture. And I think that those are very much intertwined with the works that are on display at the Hayward Gallery, but also with Sujimoto's entire body of works. It's missing ego. There's not an ego there. It is very introspective. It's looking at the humanity behind our progress, of the ideas of where where we will be when we when we as a civilization as a whole are just a memory what are our shared experiences how do we capture that in a still image how are we going to be remembered when what we have spent lifetimes and lifetimes upon lifetimes building in the name of progress turns to decay and i think that in itself is his legacy because he has turned his camera his eye onto all of us and asked us to also consider where we stand in that picture. Beautiful. Well, Kathleen Fox-Davis, founding director at Black Box Projects in London. Thank you uh, very much for your time today as well. Thanks so much for having me. And that is it for this week. My thanks to Kathleen Fox-Davies, Ralph Rogoff, and, of course, Hiroshi Sugimoto himself. And that wonderful exhibition at the Hayward Gallery is on until the 7th of January, and we do thoroughly recommend a visit. Monocle on Culture is produced by Sophie Monaghan-Coombs and Steph Chungu, and Steph also edits the programme. We'll be back at the same time next week. But until then, from me, Robert Bounds, thank you for tuning in. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.